0: Welcome, one and all, to Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing
1: frequencies are open. Bring it on, Danger Buoy. Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, for episode 409, The Inner Fight, comes to you now via Venom Suit Pants.
0: Pete, just a bit of fleet news before we arrive at the episode. Yesterday was Marvel Studios Saturday, Talking Loki, episode 204, an episode that theoretically might have been the last entry ever <laughs> to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's quite a thing.
1: I, I Chronologically, possibly, uh, yeah, had a ton of fun talking about it. We have two more episodes of that show, so clearly there's more coming, but there you go. Meanwhile, Matt, the people in it are SAG-AFTRA representatives. Uh, They are continuing to talk with studios. In fact, they may indeed be in the compromise stage of negotiations. So encouragement abounds.
0: Yeah, some fingers crossed there. Some good signs of continued dialogue and as you say pete compromise, particularly with an eye towards a couple days ago on friday so hopefully you know the 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 undoubted impact it will have on when shows that we all enjoy and movies that we are all looking forward to that undoubted impact hopefully is minimized i know pete no joke the notion of oh but wait this if we go back to work too soon the the fact that we like to break for thanksgiving and not come back until after new year's that that might that line might have to be crossed um the fact that for some people probably executives that's an issue versus most of your workaday actors and writers and carpenters and electricians and all that probably are just happy to get back to work and okay maybe working a couple days in the month of december uh so again hopefully an opportunity to make up some of that lost time uh especially for we the consumers.
1: And surely, Matt, one of the first things that will just shoot to the top of active production is going to be Star Trek Kelvin 4.
0: Indeed, Pete, our weekly update when we talk Star Trek. The promise that things will be moving on Kelvin quickly, Kelvin 4 quickly. What do you have, Pete, after your exhaustive search across all media?
1: A big bowl of nothing.
0: Oh. Oh. Well, Pete, not nothing, the opposite of nothing, is this week's episode of Lower Decks, so let's head into the Ready Rundown.
1: Program complete. Enter when ready.
0: On Sherbolt 5, the Lower Deckers are tasked with repairing a weather buoy on a seemingly uneventful planet. However, shortly after they arrive, their shuttle is attacked by a Klingon bird of prey. The Lower Deckers are forced to beam down to the planet's surface, where they find themselves caught in the middle of a conflict between several different alien species, some of whom have been attacked by the pearlescent ship. Mariner decides to take matters into her own hands and sets out to find a way to contact Starfleet. She encounters a Klingon warrior named Ma'a. The two fight at first, but eventually end up having a heart-to-heart conversation. Ma'a tells Mariner that he can see she is struggling with something inside her, and he encourages her to open up about it. Mariner finally confesses that she is conflicted about her role in Starfleet. She joined for the sake of exploration and science, but now finds herself being drawn into increasingly dangerous situations. She's worried that she is not cut out to be a soldier and that she she will end up getting herself or her friends killed. Ma'a listens to Mariner's concerns and offers her some wise advice. He tells her that it is okay to be afraid, but that she should not let fear control her. He tells her that she is a strong and capable warrior who should be proud of... Who she is this helps her come to terms with her inner conflict and the loss of sito in the past she realizes that she can still be in starfleet without being a soldier in addition to the personal growth that mariner experiences in this episode she also helps the lower deckers resolve the conflict on the planet helping unite the different alien species against their con- common enemies the klingons in the bird of prey the B plot follows Captain Freeman and other bridge officers to find rogue pilot Nick Locarno, who Starfleet believes may be a target of the mysterious Pearlescent ship. But back on Sherbolt 5, the same mysterious ship flies away from the Klingon Bird of Prey as the Klingons detect a distress signal. Going planet side, they get close to the station and destroy it, allowing Maa to lead the others aboard the ship, retaking it, and Maa killing the captain. However, at Locarno's hideout, the officers call for Locarno and enter with caution. Rutherford finds something shocking, the mysterious blueprints for the mysterious ship. And on that ship, Mariner comes to, briefly, being confused about the slightly empty room. She tries to free herself only for the door to open up. She swings at the figure but stops when she sees who it is, Nick Locarno himself. When she asks what he's doing there, he tells her that they are going to cause some trouble together. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. We have a tactical analysis of this week's threats. Let's start with those Parasoft 9 Venomous tremble Lizards.
1: Yeah, cute prologue here to really reestablish Mariner's predicament here. This absolute death wish that she has and what does she do? You know, she she risks it all. She even asks for a little bit of... uh, you know, pH to get the acid off her, uh, uniform, uh, love that the lizards are a mix of both like the, uh, the alien alien, uh, with acid for blood in addition to, uh, making people's eyes explode out of their heads
0: and used in a way where the worst of their potential violence is shown off screen, which, uh, weirdly is also something we discussed about Loki uh yesterday oh. um but it's a great tool there you know the whole wow it really does burst your eyes or does go for the eyes whatever the exact line is um a fun moment there and then Pete the lowest possible threat because I know how comedy <laughs> works when you say some people need to find Beverly Crusher Da-da-da-da. seven of nine Da-da-da. Thomas Riker played by Frakes. <laughs> and Nick Locarno I know how jokes work a man walks into a bar and says, ow, ba ba. Nick Locarno, clearly the joke, clearly the one left for our second tier lower deckers for the Cerritos and so forth. And uh walking into this episode with with uh you know pure eyes, I'm like, oh, that's cute that they're going after this useless character who was interesting in his own episode, but the lowest rung Nick
1: Locarno pilot for hire now nick lucardo um and we'll talk about what all this can mean but you know first somebody need to track down revealed at the end of the episode to be the one on the season long threat ship so clearly behind it
0: Pete, another threat is Sherball Five. What would you say was the, the 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 most threatening part of that new planet?
1: Uh the glass storm, stupid knife rain uh, on a planet that lacks honor.
0: What? I, I look. Uh, I don't mean to repeat myself, but what and what a place that's built for animation? The way that gets presented, the the visuals of it. Uh, The visuals of the the glass storm, let alone the whole place. You know, the thunder, the this, the that, the weird colors. uh, Really a wonderful setting and the notion. Genesis,
1: planet, without the self-destruction vibes.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And kind of, you know, the wilds and the trying to survive and all that. It's just, it's a really great setting for, for what it needs to do for the story. Pete, looking at another location, New Axton, there were occasionally moments where I was like, oh, and when they land at this, uh, you know, hive of scum and villainy, and when there's, you know, could, could this be a Star Wars planet? Let me just ask you as the preeminent Star Wars scholar of our
1: age. I mean, as far as the name or just the identity of it?
0: The, the, the way it presents itself to the universe and says, hey, universe,
1: the middle finger at you. <laughs> Not only that, that it's described by the crew as twice as lawless as Old Axton, but without the charm.
0: Uh, and there's your lower decks, funny, not funny, ha ha, kind of writing. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly is a fun. It's a fun location. Uh, and then we have as another threat here the Klingon betrayers, who of course play a role up in space.
1: Yeah, that. We've now established the threat has sown uh, mutiny throughout so many species here on these ships amongst lower deckers. Um, You know, Ma, having been the captain, having once been a lower decker himself, moved up to the chair and then betrayed by his ship, which really for Klingons is, you know, just culture. Uh, and, uh, yeah, still out there. In fact, seen towards the end of the episode, uh, with the ship before it departed.
0: Well, and speaking of that Klingon captain, you have a note here, ma'a or ma'a. What does, what does that mean?
1: They spell it twice differently in the, um, the closed captioning. So I was kind of like, all right, that's <laughs> which, wonderful. Which is it? and it almost made me wonder too, like, is that a subtle hint that maybe something else is going on? It could
0: be It pro. I mean, it being a weirdly spelled name.
1: It's probably just a, yeah, a prob- type. I don't think the closed caption people are as fluent in Klingon as you are my Chadich. <laughs> I I, I'm allowed to say that. And that's not cultural uh, appropriation. Um, but not your culture, of course, Matt. But, uh, yeah, I I don't think they're as versed as perhaps we are.
0: Perhaps the funniest threat this episode was the Baylock information broker non-puppet. Um, it was so puppety. I, again, this is also where the animation leans into it. The Lower Decks nature of, you know, t- sometimes taking things 105% past reality and um, it was animated to be a terrible puppet and <laughs> just to reveal those spindly legs and arms and have the scan. No, there's organs in there. Just what a, you know, I mean, the jokes were funny for the, for this comedic show, the, the plot use of, you know, he is the information broker and all of that. It was just delightful from top to bottom.
1: Yeah. I Now I'm not going to sell you the information. I'll only sell it to other people instead. Um, if only, We talk about a line of dialogue all the time. You know, why he appeared to have the electricity, right? Like the head turned around. They were selling you on the puppetry, yes. And as you mentioned, it's a real being. It has legs, Um, which we'll talk about in theories. Retroactively changes what happened in the original series 57 years ago. But, like, how about some explanation? Oh, I got a buzzer back here, and it's malfunctioning. You know, something like that.
0: Um, I think given as how it was so clearly constructed as a joke, I didn't necessarily need the line to bring it back to reality. But I think we're, bo- we're both discussing how it's straddling the real reality and the animated reality um, that, that the show oftentimes deals with. The last threat, Pete, we get major advancement here on our understanding of the season-long threat.
1: Yeah, linked up here with Nick Lacarno The idea that uh, all these crews have been brought to Sherville 5 where we have this uh, communications relay that they needed to fix, and of course they get shot down and wind up amongst it, but they're the the flies in the ointment nobody expected our lower deckers uh at least at this point to wind up there right doesn't seem like the uh the mutiny's been sown on the cerritos at least not yet
0: let's set our long-range sensors to discuss some theories and pete Look, let's return to Nick Lacarno, a character upon which Tom Paris was based. And I know it says somewhere in Memory Alpha. I didn't even need to look it up. It jumped back into my brain as I was watching this episode last night. There's a Writer's Guild thing that when you reuse a character, you have to pay the original writer. It's some, like, nominal fee. Like, I want to say, maybe Memory Alpha says, in 1990s dollars, like, just to use the character, not without you know uh, to pay the original writer like five hundred dollars a script. And somebody did the math and was like, "This show is going to run one hundred twenty episodes. Uh, no way we're going to pay that just to somebody to use a name. Let's make a let's make Tom Paris a kind of version of Nick Lacarno but we're not saying he is the same and so forth." So to get a character who was banished into the story, you know, the story mists because they didn't want to pay a guy for him to be nominally our big bad. I don't beat. I don't know anybody who had Nick Lacarno on their bingo sheet as the I big bad of this season.
1: Yeah. And then you bring back, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil to voice him. Okay. So you've, you've got that. And then that, uh, it's linked with Mariners backstory okay, why she's got this de- death wish with all of the promotion talk here and that Locarno is the connective tissue between her and uh, Ceto Jaxa.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, this is also what you get when you get Mike McMahon, when you get somebody who knows Star Trek and loves Star Trek and reveres Star Trek. Um I don't know that we were, you know, similarly on that bingo card, I don't know that we were playing in the same sandbox as Seto Jaxa. I don't know that any of that story uh, limited, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, to just the one episode, right? That's TNG episode Lower Decks?
1: No, two. She's... So she has the redemptive arc. She's in the Locarno episode. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. 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 Uh, She gets it together at the Academy. She gets to the enterprise. All right. And then faithfully sent on that mission. And it's, it's the whole cause for Mariner's arc here. Uh, So she's going to literally have to face her demon in that Locarno the the headstrong cadet all right who ultimately uh led to uh having this issue in the academy um yeah i love that we're reaching back to this much like with the uh piece here um far more obscure with this um I hadn't even remembered that Sito was in the, the two episodes and I'm like, yeah, no, she is. And she dies at the end of the lower decks yeah. episode on enterprise, like full circle, man.
0: Yeah. It, it comes with that knowledge. I, I too had, I had the memory of her dying in the second one. And obviously I was a bit, I remember the, I remember the, uh, the, the first duty episode I remember really enjoying that back when it aired, particularly... And I don't know, it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't know how well it has aged. But watching it in um, 1993 or so, um, I just remember being struck like, this is the Starfleet Academy show I want. This is like Star Trek Plus 90210. you know. And I know it does not sizzle the way a 90210 or a Melrose Place. Oh, I would
1: argue this was a backdoor pilot that maybe they felt so what year did this this was 94 right this was um, 92 92 i uh, know uh, it aired in 1994. Oh, i'm
0: sorry the, the first duty was 1992. yes yeah
1: but um i, I think lower decks was kind of like a backdoor pilot i i think they were like all right would would we be able to sustain three shows uh we know we're going to end with uh, Next Generation at this point. Deep Space Nine was on. I think maybe before Voyager, there was some idea. And, and look what goes on, you know. But that was the thing for much of Voyager. Oh, is Paris going to finally come forward and say, Thomas Paris? No, I am Nick Locarno. That's why I was really in jail all that time. Um, Yeah, but you know, the whole reason we have, at least part of the reason we have this show traces back to that second episode she appears in and this concept of of Lower Decks.
0: And the fact that you and I both have uh, deep Star Trek knowledge, but, you know, didn't, didn't watch this episode with the full, like, I remember the Academy episode, the Lower Decks TNG episode, I, the, her whole arc. It speaks to the strength of this episode because you know the locarno reveal hidden in plain sight when you get the you know here's the fabulous four that we need to get oh well it's three fabs and one one castaway, Nick nick locarno but you get that for all members of the audience you get that up front and then even if you don't know the full nick locarno background oh well, he's a rogue pilot for hire and then clearly revealed as the baddie at the end couple that with just the wonderful mariner monologue there um while while trapped during the storm all the pieces are there where you could be activating the old memories things you have forgotten you might be able to circle back to uh and people have it all all memorized it's all the same experience because the episode this little 25 minute episode hits all these points in a way where you know sometimes pete we spent some time last week talking about a Loki episode where it was like, I'm going to recap what's going on. Well, you know what? I'm going to recap too. Now let's fight. And then talk about recapping the fight that we had last season. Like this, just classic lower decks feeding us what we want when we need it. Perfection.
1: Yeah. And enhanced by the fact you can go into those other stories. Now, you know what they do quite often through social media with, the newer star Trek is anytime something's referenced, then a couple days later through social media, Oh, Hey, you know, here's next generation season, whatever, you know, the first duty and they'll do it as well. I'm sure with, uh, lower decks and, uh, yeah, it only enhances it. You know, there's people who like a lot of our listeners have, have seen all of star Trek, uh, or maybe haven't seen these episodes. It'll go do it. Or maybe now we'll rewatch them we haven't watched them in in forever because of this. Um, and it's a it's a great reach, but was done so effectively on the page and ultimately to the screen.
0: So we're probably all on the same page here. But is our theory for next week that Locarno discarded by? the goodies starfleet the federation and so forth has now become not just pilot for hire but ahab bent on revenge and the ship is his white whale with which he's trying to destabilize the quadrant by pitting together these forces is I, that's where my mind is at where are you at for next week
1: i i double down on that but you know does he similarly share uh, a death wish and is that the koala connection? Um, we saw the uh, the blueprints uh, when they were looking for him of the ship, but now that Mariner's with him and his promise that they're going to cause trouble together, I mean, classic lower decks is going to be her leaning into. Yeah, let's go, let's go cause some trouble. All right. And uh, of course, she's going to turn it around and and save the day and push through her predicament, um, you know, having to face putting her friends in harm's way like they're on the planet right now and uh, conceivably the entire crew of the Cerritos.
0: Do you think possibly that as, now that we have the tragic Mariner backstory, um, I won't say dispensed with in terms of it, it has not been resolved for whor- for her or for us, um, but of course it's we now know what it is. It's now out there. Do you think that in the process of almost assuredly overcoming her personal demons, defeating Nick Lacarno either to death or to justice or whatever it might be, do we potentially end next week's episode? With a, you know, a mariner who is a different person and maybe, maybe more professional, maybe more, um, or, or shall I say, uh, you, you know, less self, self-effacing, self-harming, self-destructive. Do we potentially have a different mariner for season five?
1: The lesson she will begin to understand is that she can direct her friends and not get them killed. But really, that's an underlying theme of command we've seen throughout Star Trek, whether it's Kirk, Picard, etc. cetera. At some point, you're going to send somebody to your death, to their death, um, and how they overcome that, the inevitability of it, you know, that they, they, you can't cheat your way out of death like Jim Kirk did uh, in the Prime Universe and the Kelvin Universe and all these other captains, and then those of them below them who also have to eventually make their peace with that. Uh, She started the process because, yeah, you know, oh, and then you do your scans of plants and and stuff like that, you know, coming from the mouth of the Klingon, understanding that it's not just all battles for Starfleet. Um, And surely every Klingon from the cradle is comfortable sending friends to Stovacor.
0: Any thoughts as we look at next week? A- any thoughts in terms of, uh, you know, we still have the Boimler transporter clone, uh, you know, who's who's now joined Section 31. Um, any thoughts there? Does that come into play? I know I, I, I saw, I think it was a tweet. Whoever I'm ripping off, I apologize. You had a good idea. I didn't write down who said it on Twitter. But just this notion of, like, Nick lacarno Thomas Ry- Riker, and Billy Boim's teaming up to be the tri- <laughs> the triumvirate of evil in the ship. I think that's a that's a cute idea. That's an extremely executable idea for next week. I almost feel like it's a little it's a little stunt casty when you just have like a compelling Nick locarno story for 25 minutes next week or compelling, yeah. you know, conclusion to his story. So what wh- what do you think is in store next week when it comes to to Billy Boims? Uh
1: I mean The idea that we referenced Crusher twice, one, that's a beautiful thing, too. Like, we're building on established story that Seven of Nine went and became a Fenris Ranger, how far along she is on that path. Yet, we don't fully know at this point in the timeline that Beverly left Starfleet Okay. Hope I'm not spoiling, uh, you know, season three of uh, Picard for anybody, but if you've gone this long, then you better get on it. Okay. Uh, Obviously, now having uh, had the child or close to having the child that she had with uh, Picard. And then, you know, Riker, that he left, uh, that Tom Riker left Starfleet at some point. Uh, that's almost too tantalizing to not return to. And we know that Frakes is obviously a a friend of the program, a friend of Star Trek. And, you know, maybe that's one that comes across there. But uh, they've had uh, you know, Robert Duncan McNeil before, um with the, the one off episode with the plate to bring him back here as the other character he played that. Uh, people always thought would either be, you know, his his further deeper tragic backstory, or you know, evil transporter clone, or you know, long lost cousin, or whatever it was going to be. Um, you you have to give him the weight in this episode. You have to let all let it come across. I mean, for Mariner to have that big monologue and to go so deep into it. And of course the Klingon is as us, right. As the audience, as the every man, um, love that.
0: Any other theories coming out of this episode?
1: I mean, come on that, you know, the, the uniforms have, uh, pockets in the pants, uh, you know, different from all the other ones we've seen to some point. So Starfleet really adjusting. <laughs>
0: Indeed the evolution the evolution of Starfleet uniform design they've gone so far they've come back they've invented pockets
1: who had muds being you know like a a rough world quarks and then you double down with that that Captain Freeman took a hoodlums and rocketeers uh, seminar at the academy. Um, the whole gambit with the roving gang, but they're in uniform and all the time it's the long con that she's running because she's got Billups as this bounty hunter that came in a different ship, uh, has the the helmet and he's allowed to walk right into muds. But, you know, you guys here, ha ha ha, you're in uniform. You're not fooling anybody. You can go across the street to Zorky's with way worse drinks. And, uh, you know, their black market intel is Far less reliable
0: it's it's precisely the kind of b plot that would have worked on the next generation you know if the b plot was going to be taking up 22 minutes of a 48 minute episode or something like that where you could have had these extra scenes of you know trying to get in or they're in there and they order the drink and it's a, a slug drink or a goopy drink you know whatever it is it's it's again just this example in a season of lower decks that we have liked but i don't think have loved as much it's just like, yes, this is full, full Warp 10 lower decks, just in terms of, you know, this is a solid B-plot for the story, but also a solid B-plot period. Um, and, you know, speaking of surprise endings, I don't, like, I was convinced that it was going to be, hey, that guy in the helmet, that's Nick Locarno, And for it to, as you say, Pete, it's, it's part of the, the long con from the get-go. It just works so wonderfully
1: so infrequently is our Cerritos crew given any kind of intellectual credit and for them to actually be ahead of the game here. uh, And and the ha-ha is that they had it on somebody else and not on them. Uh, And then that you're incorporating not just the character of Harry Mudd, but that you're doing it through Rain Wilson's second portrayal of him in that um, you know, short trek with the jippers. <laughs> uh hopefully uh our crew by the end of this season, they'll be sipping sipping those half price jippers on a beach somewhere
0: <laughs> yeah, uh as you say, Pete, the inclusion of mud as a brand i I know I saw something online, you, know does this point towards mud's the final chapter in mud's story? I, I don't know that it was meant to be that far. I don't know that next week is the thrilling conclusion of the mud bar duology and he comes out from behind the bar and says something or it's his hologram i don't know that it needs to go that far it's just you know when you need the star wars cantina of star trek for this episode yes muds is the way to go versus let's go to ye oldie bar over there it's just it, it's a more fun way to do it
1: well listen they've punched every button correct so far but if um, Strange New Worlds doesn't bring back Rain Wilson as hardcore Fenton Mund at some point, that's that's a missed opportunity.
0: I absolutely, absolutely agree.
1: Mariner and Talyn realizing they were both in that pack-led battle that ultimately led Talyn to their crew. That, that was a uh, realization they had not made on screen to this point.
0: It was a nice moment of sisterhood, of support as well as you know just a little bit of a reminder that that you know that episode three ships is is you know a while ago at this point, but you know this this little show with its 25 minute you know teaser plus three act structure um, nonetheless paints in long arcs and uh, yeah, just a nice reminder there of the uh, the breadth that this show brings. And a
1: little bit of overlap, Boimler calling to T, and uh, Mariner referring to Tendi as T, so will the real T please stand up? It was cute. I don't know. My, my note
0: in the writing room might be one, one character with the first initial T gets the nickname T, otherwise it's a, a smidge confusing. But if it's, if it's being done here to be familiar, uh, it, it certainly does work.
1: I believe Mariner referred to Tendi before as T, so separate scenes, you can forgive it. Maybe it leads to confusion in a tense moment, and that could be cute. Um, Klingon's not hugging, Matt. I mean, are are they just going to disown Worf like that? He's hugged people before. Uh, other Klingons have hugged uh, non-Klingons, what with uh, Jadzia, um so i guess it's a way to say klingons don't hug other klingons
0: maybe it's just Ma's way of trying to get some distance there even if it's not uh always culturally the case that uh that, that there's uh forbidden hugging
1: some of the best gags in this episode go unseen the eyeballs Coming out of your head when you get bit by the uh, the the venom lizards, but also um, that Rutherford sees a snake guy uh, vaping green juice, just like uh, Rafi likes to.
0: Hey, you gotta wear that. Beware of that snake bite. Gotta beware of the the twenty. Uh, The 2020s, the vaping. You got to be wary of the 24th and 25th century vaping. (laughs) Got to take care of yourself. We we should all be a bit more like Ransom and a bit less like Snake Vape Guy.
1: The real vapors we got to watch out for as this story gets continued into the season four finale is the Cerritos, the lower decks in particular. Will they be targeted by Locarno's uh threat ship will he and Mariner by extension try to sow that discord um what with our other lower deckers not there
0: perhaps not Mariner by extension but clearly it's all come down to the big showdown surrounding the Cerritos which I know is not a not a wild theory you know for a season finale of this show but I don't again I don't know that we read the trajectory of the pearlescent ship as you know as there's going to be the showdown involving emotionally not just physically but emotionally the cerritos crew and things of that sort um it it, it was a very good a very very good reveal here pete let's open hailing frequencies, hailing frequencies open, sir. to twitter we go that's right pete still calling it twitter uh people could vote uh, their thoughts on the inner fight. The bottom, Pete, we have, there, there weren't a ton of votes for this poll. We've had more votes, but I don't know that we've ever had a poll like this, okay? One boot, stick in my boots, 0%. Two, dancing people, dance with me, Beverly, 0%. <laughs> Three, storms for the glass storm, 0%. Four, captain's pips, captain aspiration, uh, got all the votes 100 percent some replies here on twitter pumpkin spice has no pumpkin kclyle1 on twitter brilliant who but lower decks could make such a deep uh poll work unfortunately the season is almost done Uh, next we hear from spider ham lincoln tests lc 139 uh with (laughs) back with his uh his poetry here spelling out lakarno no koala here we go lower decks offers both character and plot reveals that nobody predicted and oh my heart a cito reference now i offer kudos to our awesome lower decks animation team uh that was just that's that's just beautiful there
1: Sublime. koala's still coming
0: (laughs) well there you go it's it's the koala's down but not out for the count Uh, And then the last tweet, Pete from Eric, that's at uh, Dr. What, W-U-T-T, some of the best Star Trek ever. Certainly uh, impressive words there. Pete, with one episode to go, we, of course, could not have been making this Lower Decks Journey without those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek.
1: Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to check out but it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door can't contribute right now get yourself over to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating or review to any of our 34 soon to be 35 36 feeds with marvel's echo and star wars skeleton crew to come
0: pete let's keep the star trek conversation going particularly with some question marks ahead when will we see discovery on paramount plus uh, heck for any of for any of these forthcoming properties with the with the strikes still up in the air when will we see any of these properties we'll focus on star trek how can people be in touch with you on social media
1: you can find me on twitter you can find me on threads you can find me on blue sky all at Peter, P I E T E R J K L R K E T E L A A R. 12,600 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter, looking back, lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on Fantastgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and Threads, where we are Fantastgeek as well. Threads, now with polls. But wait, Pete, there's more
1: facebook.com slash fantastic geek with a ph all one word like it today
0: barring breaking news pete we will be back on marvel studios saturday for the next episode of loki and then of course back on star trek sunday for the season four finale of lower decks with that i will say adios to all our listeners and give you pete the final word
1: park that thing by the second moon
0: I wish I could kiss her and squeeze her. Excuse me?